Hey, it's Liz and Bethany. Welcome to the Table Podcast with us this week. We have Brittany Douthit, who's our campus coordinator at Jinx. Hey, thanks for having me. We're going to be chatting about obedience this week. Oof, what a lesson. Yeah. I was talking to my mom. I was asking her if I was an obedient kid. And she said I was obedient to a fault. Um, that my brother came and got me. We were five and trying a new church. I was three. My brother was five. We were trying a new church. And my brother came left his class, got me out of my class. I obeyed him and we wandered aimlessly somehow around this church for about an hour before they found him, found us. And that was the first and last time I have ever obeyed my brother. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, obedience is different at every step. I will say, I don't, I don't even know if I was an obedient kid, to be honest. I I feel like any, anybody with siblings was at least disobedient for, for a season, you know, for sure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So how do you guys feel about true crime? Listen, I listened to one podcast all the way through and then got so scared I couldn't walk into my apartment alone. Really? So I've given it up for the time being. <laughs> I have personal experiences of a friend who had to walk through their family being on one of those. Oh my gosh. So I have a whole Wait, different what? experience. Wait, of... okay. We'll have to unpack that someday. Yes. <laughs> um, Brittany wants to know if she's already yes. listened to it. <laughs> Um, I am highly obsessed with it. I like, especially lately on like this quarantine, I've like found myself like, and I'm the type of person, like when I start a show, I cannot stop it. Like I literally have to go through the entire thing and get through it fast. Cause I want to know what happens. I don't want to just be in limbo. My roommates will attest to this. Like when I start the show, I'm immediately invested and I don't want to stop it. But I find myself, especially lately, like thinking what it would be like to, be on the witness stand (laughs) and then Mm -mm. what would it be Mm -mm. like to have to plead like I am innocent and like sit across from that that lawyer whoever on the other side and just have to tell them no I promise you like I did not do this and I for some reason I'll just like put myself in the shoes of the the crazy people of course and just be like okay well what would happen if they actually thought I was guilty and I didn't do it you know And maybe, you know, this imagination is probably stemming from the fact that we've had little interaction with people and we've been (laughs) quarantined to our homes. I'm going to hope that it's that. But, you know, I fear being in a position of defense for my livelihood. The fear constantly, I think it it pushes me to do everything I can to be a rule follower, you know, to be obedient. Like I'll do whatever I can to just stay in the, the lanes, whether it's the law or, you know, whatever that looks like. But the definition of obedience is compliance with an order, request, or law, or submission to another's authority. You know, just like what you were talking about with your little brother, I think when we're little, I feel like there's a stage where parents have to ingrain obedience in us, whether that's young, and I think we face it when we're in our teens as well. You know, now looking at our age, we don't necessarily know what obedience looks like. I don't know what obedience looks like for you, Bethany, and I don't know what it looks like for you in your life, Liz. I can't blatantly see oh, she's being obedient. You know, I can't see it in my friend's life. The only person that I can really see it in is mine. You know, am I being obedient? And what does that even mean? I think it, you know, means something different in every season of life. Um, Even in college, it's like, okay, being obedient, it's going to school, it's doing, you know, what I'm here to do. And then, you know, you get in your job and your flow of work and it's okay, being obedient, it's doing what my boss and my supervisor is telling me to do. But I can't judge from the outside what disobedience or obedience looks like. You know, maybe obedience for you looks like a list of achievements based on, you know, your family's um, standards. 
maybe you're a type one, I'm a type six, can't relate to this, but um, obedience may be following every rule that's ever been set before you. Um, Maybe obedience looks like complete submission to your spouse. Maybe obedience is upholding the standard of work that your supervisor set for you. And what if we go back? So let's go back to that whole entire statement and let's rephrase it a little bit. Let's change the, the, the obedience word for success. You know, maybe success looks like a full list of achievements that your, your family set before you. You know, maybe you're a type one and success is following every rule that's been set before you. Maybe success looks like complete submission to your spouse. And maybe success is upholding the standard of work that your supervisor set before you. So let's look at this concept, maybe. A little food for thought. <laughs> success is obedience. You know, we're taught by our parents in society that specific things in life are successful. They make you successful, whether that's, you know, a degree, one million followers on Instagram, whatever that looks like, can attest. <laughs> um, being a homeowner, a wife, and a loving mother. These all being standards that our world and, you know, people have set before us, and they're not wrong, not at all. I think they're normal. Um, but is that really it? You know? Is that what you and I were put on this earth to do? You know, the Bible says that before you and I were formed, before we were even thought of, the Lord knew exactly what our plan was. He knew exactly what success and obedience would look like in our life at every stage. You know, he knew what accolades and successes we would face or we wouldn't face. God created each of us with that unique and brilliant plan in mind you know, Liz, there's specific things in you that the Lord totally had in mind. He knew what success would look like in your teens. He knew what it would look like in your 20s and in your 30s. And Bethany, the same thing for you. He knew what success would be like as a mother. He knew what it would be like as a wife. So may I propose to you this question, you know, what would it look like if we allowed God to define our standard of success or obedience? Galatians 6, 9, do you guys, do you want to read it? I can read it. Um, in the message version, um, it says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds, and he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life. You know, what will you and I have to show for our lives if we aren't led by God? I don't know about you, but I have a desire to allow God to do all the growth work in me that he possibly can, because Lord knows I am not the best at it. Uh, I want to live a life of obedience and harvest that life that leads to eternal life. You know, it says in that excerpt, it said, you know, this the one who plants in response to God harvests a crop of real life. So our performance will never determine our outcome, but obedience will. I think I personally fear being obedient because I'm scared, you know, what people are going to think. I'm scared they're going to see the ugly sides of me. I'm scared that you're going to see my vulnerability and possibly like make fun of it or doubt it a little bit. I'm scared that, you know, maybe the word that I, that I say or um, perform or whatever that looks like is going to fall short. It's not going to be polished. It won't be perfected. And it may be looked at as a failure. So this honestly if I'm being vulnerable, it kind of paralyzes me. I'm like the type of person, if I don't have it all put together and it's not 
it doesn't have a bow on it. It's not perfectly packaged. I'm not going to do it. You know, I want to be perfectly ready before I'm able to deliver anything or be able to perform anything. However, you know, when in reality, if I can just step out in obedience and all my imperfections and all of my awkward and quirky tendencies, good Lord knows I have them all, um, and allow God to use me however that may look, something could happen. You know, it may be small and insignificant in my eyes, but I don't know who or what is on the other side of my obedience. Despite my flaws and regardless of how ready I look or whose life, whose heart is waiting on my act of obedience. And if we look in the Bible, I mean, there's countless stories. You know, remember God called Moses. He was a murderer. David, an adulterer. Rahab, a prostitute. Not only did he call these unqualified people, but he called the awkward, the unusual, the quirky people like me. Noah got drunk. Isaac was a daydreamer. Joseph was abandoned. Gideon afraid. Jeremiah too young. Abraham was too old. And he was the direct lineage of Jesus. If we look at that, you know, back all the way back to Abraham in Genesis 21, it says the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time that God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised son as God had commanded, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. He was 100 years old when the promise came to pass. If we look um, a little bit forward in James 2.21, it says, don't you remember? You guys, you guys know this, this chapter. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scripture said, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Abraham waited a hundred years for this son that the Lord told him he was going to have. And as soon as the Lord said, hey, you got to sacrifice him, he went immediately and did it. The obedience was the first thing that Abraham acted on. He didn't wait. He went immediately. And if we look a little bit further into just some of these um, scriptures, it says his actions made his faith complete. He wasn't crippled by fear. He heard and he rose early in the morning and went and did what God told him to do. You know, I think we've all heard the partial obedience is disobedience. You guys talked about it too um, on the table before. But lately I've kind of switched out that word. Um, instead of partial, I've changed it with the word delayed. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Abraham didn't delay. And if we look um, in Genesis 22, 3, it says he rose early in the morning. You know, what obedience am I delaying in my life? We could literally go on a, another podcast for this. Honestly, just that alone could unpack what delayed obedience am I, you know, experiencing in my life. The, de the definition of disobedience Failure or refusal to obey rules or someone in authority. So obedience was success. So disobedience is a failure. Dang. If we look again at Abraham's life, you know, a blessing followed Abraham's obedience. His actions by faith were followed with a blessing. It said, because of your faith, because you've done this, I will bless you and your descendants, a.k.a. us. 
We are the descendants of Abraham and his actions of obedience. Abraham's immediate obedience, sacrificing his one and only son on the altar, was directly tied to Jesus dying on the cross for you and me. So in Matthew 6, 34, I'm going to read out of the message version again. I like that version. Uh, It says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever things come up when the time comes. And, you know, I want to open up the discussion to that, honestly. That just ties it into like, okay, what action steps can we take to be obedient? You know, what is God calling us to be obedient in today? And even just in this current season with coronavirus and everything that we're, you know, we're looking at as a nation, what are the things that God's teaching us, you know, in this different season? Our, our surroundings aren't the same, kind of. Um, so what is it that we're maybe delaying or what is it that we're maybe waiting on God to do something when in reality, if we could just step out and be obedient in. Yeah, that was great. Would you mind rereading that verse for yeah, us one more time? Of course. Matthew 6, 34, it says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever things come up when the time comes. You know, this has honestly pushed me to take an honest assessment at my relationship with obedience. You know, is it healthy? You know, if I switch that out, even in say my, um, my relationship with success, what does that look like? You know, what am I labeling as success? Is it healthy? Is it labeled by God's standards or my standards? You know, I'm a 26 year old. Those can look different at every, at every stage, but I know for me, a lot of it is defined by what my friends are doing or what they aren't doing, you know? So that's a big assessment for me. Right? Yeah. I love how that verse said entire attentions, entire. like your entire exactly. attentions and how easy it is to go like 70%. Like I'm focused 70% on the here and now, but my 30 is in like long-term planning. God, <laughs> like my 30 is like where I hope to be in like five years, but rather like trusting the Lord with the 30 and like entirely being obedient in the moment. I think as I begin to think of the ripple effects that that could have, it would kind of replace delayed obedience because yeah. I wouldn't be thinking, well, why do I have to do this? What are you asking That's me good. to do? I would be yeah. able to just be like, well, okay, this is where we're going. Let's exactly. go fast. Yeah. Yeah. I love, so in first uh, Samuel, it talks about how obedience is better than sacrifice. Yeah. And I feel like that's been a verse for me. My entire life is God's like, I, I need your obedience. And what he was showing me, it's kind of what you were talking about, but instead of partial or delayed, he said, it's either complete obedience or it's disobedience. Good. Because so many times we do part of what God asked us to do or a piece, or maybe we just leave out one small piece, but we've done everything else. God, we've done everything else you've asked me to do. But if you look at that passage that I was talking about in Samuel, Saul missed one little piece of what God had asked him to do and God removed his kingship. And so God says it's complete obedience that he's asking from us. Yeah. And what does it look like when complete obedience is immediate obedience that like they just go hand in hand, that it's not one or the other, but rather it's like both at the same time when we feel called to it, to be able to act on it in that moment. Yeah. And I've even thought of like, okay, what happens when I feel like I've been completely obedient and nothing happens? I don't see anything. Nothing changes. I feel like I'm doing exactly what he's told me to do. And I've, I've had a mentor tell me one time, you know, do the last thing that God told you to do. 
fall back on that and be and just be confident that the Lord's faithful. And I think when we're obedient and we feel as though we've done everything that God's told us to do and we don't see, you know, a product of it immediately, it's so easy to be like, what's the point? Why am I being obedient if I don't see any fruit from it? I've had to like really reframe how I'm looking at the Bible because when you read it, it's so quick. You're like, whew, just read three chapters, feeling great. The reality is, is those three chapters may have taken years, months, like a long time. And so we're seeing the result of their obedience quickly. Like we're able to look at Abraham's hundred years of waiting and be like, oh, but he got a son. And I'm like, that's a hundred years. I like time. three days. I'm like, well, I guess I'm giving up on this. Literally <laughs> on to the next. <laughs> and so to like really be able to think like, okay, God, like long-term, I may never see the result of my obedience, but that yeah. doesn't give me an out to not obey. Exactly. That's true. That's good. God was showing me that um, there are no small acts of obedience. Oh, that's that so good. Everything builds on top and everything that no season is ever wasted in our life that when yeah. we do choose to obey, maybe he's just having us trust him. Maybe yeah. that's the point of that obedience. Maybe we don't see the result immediately, but every season and every act of obedience builds on the next. So if we look at the absolute best thing in our life right now, no matter what that is, mm -hmm. that wasn't from one single act of obedience. It was from a systematic choice of obeying what God has asked us to do. Right. And if we're in exchanging obedience for success, then success isn't the blessing. Success isn't the million followers or the marriage or whatever it is that I'm asking for. Success is me saying yes and like Absolutely. walking in that freedom. It's so good. And even now I'm asking God, okay, show me what that success or that obedience looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, I look back on even five years ago and it's like I had such a skewed version of what my success or obedience looked like exactly. so what could that mean 10 years down the road you know what I mean so what am I doing now that's setting me up for that success and honestly it can get overwhelming thinking okay what do I have to do this I got to do this but like if I really just trust the Lord and I'm obedient to the next step that he's asking me to take that's all I have to worry about and think through because Abraham didn't know Isaac was coming a hundred oh, years later. Yeah. He just kept saying yes to the waiting. And we see it even in like Elizabeth in Luke one, that she just kept waiting for a child. And yeah. like years later, she had John the Baptist who was a forerunner of Christ. But if she had gotten complacent in her obedience, like she maybe never would have gotten to that point. So like, how do we like wait well, not knowing what's coming and like be obedient in that waiting? Yeah, and even what happens when we disobey, it might not be blatant. We might not do exactly the opposite of what God told us to do, but maybe we were impatient. Maybe we pulled, you know, we do have the freedom of choice. So what? maybe we made a decision and it altered our future just a little bit. What happens then? You know, I think God 100% always sees, you know, the choices that we're going to make before we make them. Um, for me, I know some of my friends don't necessarily know God to the depths that I do, not to say that that's worse or better, but just painting that picture to people that like you can even slightly disobey or maybe do something that wasn't right. And God's still going to point you back in the direction of success or the direction of obedience that he wants you to be in. Um, even thinking through, you know, what would have happened if Abraham didn't go immediately to offer Isaac up, you know, what would have happened? But I truly believe that the Lord could have immediately taken his obedience to a different step, you know, and the product would have still been the same. For sure. Yeah. 
As I was thinking through Galatians 6, 9, just the idea of like, what am I planting? Am I planting weeds or am I planting things that are going to produce fruit in my obedience and disobedience? And so just seeing that line like so clearly when we choose to disobey or to not follow through, I think sometimes it's easy to justify disobedience with like, well, tomorrow, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Um, And instead being like, well, the moment I choose tomorrow, like today I'm planting weeds. Mm -hmm. So in an effort not to plant weeds, I'm going to choose to obey right now so that the fruit, which I may never see is still fruit down the line for whoever comes after. I think it's Mm -hmm. so good. One of my favorite passages of scripture comes from um, first Corinthians three, and it talks about, the things that we have planted and the foundation that Christ had laid and how we build on top of it. And ultimately it's talking about the fruit, but it's saying, will that be burnt up or will it survive this fire, this testing, this refining? Because only what what goes through that fire and comes out the other side is going to be what you get to take with you. It's only going to be that eternal fruit. And I just go, I want the seeds that I plant to be eternal seeds and not burnt up here in the process of the refining. Yeah, that's great. Yeah which is just this completely different perspective than sometimes what the world wants us to think through. I was so thankful for your vulnerability, Brittany, because as I was prepping and kind of walking through this, I was like, God, why am I fearful to obey? Which just like, isn't a question. Let's just be honest. Like not (laughs) normally I'm not sitting on my couch with a coffee. Like why am I not following God's will? Um, But for me, I was like able to like really boil it down to like, for me, it's the fear of not being enough that I'm going to get that opportunity or I'm going to have, um, I like love teaching God's word. So like get the opportunity to teach God's word and walk out and they're going to be like, who is this kid? Like what gives her the right to say these things and immediately just believe the lie of not being enough. Recently, someone walked up to me on a Sunday and was like, isn't it cool what God's doing in your life? And I was like, I haven't even had time to stop and think about it because I've been dealing with the lie that I'm not enough for this season of life right now. And like how much have I missed because I've been choosing to be fearful as opposed to like resting in his goodness. So I was just really thankful for like your willingness to dive into vulnerability because it gives us the freedom to also like process through and dive into like, hey, why are we being fearful to obey it was worth taking the time to like whittle down. That's good. It's like so crazy. Even just the voices that we listen to, they have no significance. Like there's so many times <laughs> yes. I'm like, who am I really worried about here? Like, is it my friends? Honestly, come on. Like they love me no matter my flaws. Like any, if they don't, then it's not worth it, you know? But those are the people and like the opinions that I like listen to and people I don't even know. It's people that I've never met. I'm like, what are they going to think if I do this or step out or... You know, and it's just crazy to me when you sit back and look at it, like, why am I caring so much about what they think or what they will think if I do something like this? That showed me multiple times in the last few years because I do. I mean, I think we all I think we all deal with our own level of fear and our own issues with fear. He's he showed me that sometimes our greatest giftings come wrapped up in our greatest insecurities. Yeah. You know, so I mean, one teaching exogenically, which we did, you know, a while back in James, but also I used to sing like singing was a good way that I paid for a large amount of my college, you know, that I was able to compete in different things. And, and, and all of a sudden God gave me a break from that. And I allowed, um, those 10 years of not singing to let so much fear creep in that all I could remember was every negative thing that had ever happened when I sang to the point where when God was asking me to take that step back into it, I literally had a panic attack. 
I mean, I literally was like, nobody in my life even knew that I sang and I had spent a solid 10 years of my life singing. And all of a sudden he's like, I need you to take that step. And it was that fear and it was crippling. And I had let those little, the little foxes in, you know, I had let those little seeds of doubt. And then I had dwelt on them for so long and so long. And I questioned the gifting that he gave me. And he's just like, I need you to take that leap of faith. That shouldn't have been a leap. It should have been a tiny step back into what he was calling me to do. But I think it's, he's calling so many of us out of our fear because there are so many giftings that are not being used because of it that I just can't imagine what the kingdom of God could look like if we would all choose to walk in faith in our giftings and in obedience and confidence in what he has put in our hearts and the giftings that he has already given us. Yeah, that's great. I'm so thankful you like did the work to weed out those lies as we were talking about like not being crippled by fear However, like sometimes that means we've like planted these like lies in our hearts. We've let these like weeds grow. One time in my life, I was responsible for a garden. It didn't go well. I don't have that responsibility anymore. But because of my not great skill set at gardening, I had to like weed it one time, like take out all the weeds. And I was like, this is so much work. And if I had just followed the instructions and done what the people had told me, I wouldn't be out here for five hours pulling weeds in a garden. And like that's sometimes our heart where we like go back to check on it and you're like, oh man, I've let these doubts and insecurities and disobedience breed stuff that now we have to like go do the work of getting rid of that on the front end, had we chosen obedience, life wouldn't look like that. It would look different. So I think now that I've learned the lesson, it's like, how do I actually live that out and not find myself in a weed garden again? Sounds like my children in their rooms. (laughs) (laughs) If you had just kept it clean, like mommy asked you to. For me too, I think one of the lies I was processing through was like, what if God calls us back? Like, what if he calls us backwards and in a society that's always moving forward and like, are you taking the next step? Um, In scripture recently, I've just been like really um, like drawn to people who he says, like, go back to where you came from. He says it, I like love the woman at the well. So I'll talk about her every chance I can. But like, she goes back to her community, the man, Jesus casts demons out. And he says like, return and like, tell of who you are. Hagar in the desert. God's like, she like, sees the pre-incarnate Christ in the desert. And he's like, go back to where you came from. And I'm like, man, God, that just doesn't go well with my friends. If I'm like, I'm going to go back to something I just was and like laying that down has just been so like life-giving. Well, I think us like in our 20s and like early 30s even, it's like, what's the next thing you're doing? Are you starting a family? Are you getting married? Are you doing the next career? Like, I feel like our age is, you know, our, I guess you could say our generation is so worried about doing the next big thing, the next, and it, it makes us, you know, just, what's the word I'm looking for? You're not happy with the season that you're in. So yeah, it, we're not satisfied with where we're at always. And if I'm looking at that, I feel like every season I face, there's something I want more. You know, you want the next big thing. You want the next, what you don't have, honestly. So what is it that the Lord's telling me to go back to? What are the, what are the foundations of what he's told me? The things that he's told me about my life that I need to rest in and that I need to one, craft those things on the, in the behind the scenes. You know, if it is, you know, a call to ministry, if it's a call to, you know, be a wife and a mother, what am I doing to craft those things within me? May not look glamorous on the outside and people might not know what the heck I'm doing right now, but at least I know that I'm being obedient because the Lord spoken those things over me or he's told them to me. Um, I think when I rest in that, that's when I'm more at peace. Because when I'm constantly grabbing at the things of, you know, that my friends define as success or my family defines as success, that drains me. <laughs> so coming back to these things that the Lord's told me, those are the things that I need to rest in. 
Well, I love that you said that obedience isn't always seen. Because let's see, 99.9% of all obedience is not going to be seen or even understood by the people around us. Sometimes the thing God calls us to do doesn't make sense to anyone else. And that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. If there are things in our life that God is calling us to do, we test them against his word. And if it's yes, then we, we do it. I mean, you have to take those immediately immediate steps of obedience, regardless of even what the people, the believers around you think or feel. We adopted my middle daughter. And within an hour, we made that decision. Like we had a, a screaming, crying nine-month-old baby. And then within an hour, God changed both of our hearts, my husband and I. And we just felt like this is what we were supposed to do. And so we just didn't even tell anybody for a while other than the people that we were adopting from. And when we did, it was less of a question and more of a statement, like not what do you think about this, but hey, this is what's going to happen because it was, we were constantly met with, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want to do? And I'm like, what does the Bible say about adoption? What does the Bible say about his children? If we feel like this is what God's called us to do, the word tells us this is what God's heart is. But we were met even with believers are going, are you really sure? And so you just have to know that you hear the voice of God and you have to act in that immediate obedience, regardless of no matter what anybody else says around you. On a not as heavy note, I have a lot of friends who are pregnant and like none of them are telling us their baby's names. And I was like, why? And then I got to thinking about it and I was like, cause no one judges the name when you're like holding a cute baby. You're like, Oh, that yes, name's so yes. perfect. But prior to the cute baby in 100%. the arms, you're like, what are they thinking? Like, what is that name came from? And I was like, it's that confidence it of is. like, we're going to maybe not with a, maybe you did pray about your baby's name, which would be great. But like with other things in life, like I'm really going to think about this so that in the moment I'm standing on the truth of this is what I'm called to. I've actually been saying yes for a while behind the scenes. It's yeah. just that none of y'all know so now when you question me, I'm not riddled with insecurity because God's already That's processed it. it out of me. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, I want to be known as someone that was faithful, someone that was yes. obedient. I don't care yep. if people think I was successful, like what's going to bring me peace and hopefully the people that are attached to my obedience peace is the fact that I said yes to what the Lord was calling me to do. Right. Ultimately. I always think back to like Noah, like those people thought he was crazy. Oh, crazy. Like, <laughs> what is he doing with all this wood? This what is arc, this what? thing he's building? Why does he rain? need it? Yeah. But all that, what is rain is so true. <laughs> and so like, but the ripple effect and what was on the opposite side of his obedience was, I mean, all, like our whole lineage can be tracked back to Noah. Like he, his obedience seemed crazy to the whole world. And he was like, this is what God's called me to. And I'm going to walk in confidence. Yeah. And now that we get to see it in light of like the whole scripture, it's so sweet to be like, yeah. thank you. I'll take that. Yeah. Cause take a side of that. I want to be known for crazy obedience. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I mean, good. really yeah. how, how cool would that be? If that's what people know you by, Oh, well she's going to obey no matter what. And you're like, yes, <laughs> yes. That's what I want to be known for. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? Yeah. You said, um, like in light of the other side of obedience was a line you said that I just loved because we, I think one of the things I'm learning I'm in my early thirties is I can't just think about the here and now I, I'm like, I want to be fully present, fully in this moment, God, but I, you're going to handle the after you're going to handle what comes next. And so the opposite side of obedience, like it doesn't matter what comes, whether it's ridicule or praise or an opportunity or a backward step, like in this moment, I want to say yes. And what's on the other side of obedience is fully in your hands, God, and to be able to trust him in that. And even the who, who's on the other yes, side of my obedience, good. there's relationships in my life 
now that I'm like, why do you have them around? Like, why am I, what do they have to add to my life or vice versa? And it's really, the Lord's been teaching me like, Hey, listen to me. And there's specific things in, in you that needs to be deposited in them. And whether that's, you know, maybe they're watching the way that you obey or disobey, or maybe that's just them being a part of your life. There's, there's seeds that you're sowing that are, are fruit from obedience, you know? The who's have been big for me, honestly. Relationships. The who is and, eternal. Exactly. Yeah, it's great. And I'm never good at like, hey, let's talk about the Lord. But I think that when you go back to this, like just listening to what God's telling you, it's like, I don't necessarily have to have those conversations of, hey, let's talk about Jesus. It's more of just like them, they're in my life, they see what I do, they they're the they're around, they're the relationships that see the fruit of what I'm doing. And that's to me, one of the biggest things. And that opens doors for those conversations to happen. So. Yeah. Because in light of it, we don't know what conversations are we coming don't. three days later or we three don't. months later. You also said obedience over performance. And I would like Oof. love to know y'all's thoughts on that quote and Oof. what that kind of looks like in each of our lives. Yeah. I think, again, going back to what we said about how, you know, I feel like our obedience or our success is always defined by who we're around and the standards of the world. You know, I constantly am like, okay, am I doing enough? Am I, am I on to the night? Like, is this good enough for, you know, what other people are thinking of it, whether it's at work or just in my family. Um, but my, like who makes those standards? You know, I come back to like, okay, I've been hustling. I haven't even looked up. And then it's like, wait, why am I so drained? And it's because I've been so focused on, performance and like running and hustling hard and getting stuff done. And people are seeing that I'm doing something when in reality, if that literally that could be not fruitful at all. And I just did all of that, exerted all that energy and now I'm drained. So focusing in on what gives me life, what's filling my cup, that's the performance that I want to produce. And that's the performance that I want to be judged by ultimately by the Lord. For me, I'm always asking God to um, test my heart. So especially having been on a literal stage with a literal performance, it part of the reason I feel like uh, maybe I step back, maybe God asked me to step back from worship for a while is I just wanted to make sure that my heart was in the right place and that I was up there to point people to Jesus and not to point people to myself and not just to have a microphone. Yeah. And I just, I just said, God, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is is giving you glory in the sense of that's what my heart wants. Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly just checking my heart and asking God to make my motives um, plain and clear because I want to be obedient, but I want to do it with the right heart. Yeah. For me, I think it's defining performance. Like what does performance look like? And am I performing? Uh, we talked last week in our podcast about like whose name is in lights, like our name or God's name. And so like, am I performing for the audience of, me or am I performing because I'm obeying and and I'm obeying what God's called me to do and so his name's in light so it's actually not a performance it's just living for his glory and so being able to distinguish between that and having people in my life who can be like <laughs> your name's looking real shiny right now <laughs> like rein it in <laughs> and like I can honestly have those conversations I think is like great to have that level of accountability to be able to like walk into those moments with yeah Good. And I think ultimately if our performance is a reflection of what Jesus wants us to do and it's a reflection of him, hey, we're doing it something right, yeah. you know? That's great. Perfect. Thanks so much. Of it was course. a joy. Loved having you here. Thanks for having me. Mind, this is fun to talk about. Would you mind praying for us? Yeah, of course. 
Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and discuss topics like obedience. Jesus, I pray that, you know, whatever was discussed today, Jesus, that whoever's listening, Jesus, that you would just do something in our hearts. God, that you would teach us what you want us to define obedience and success by. God, I pray that your your spirit would lead and guide us. And I pray that the product of today, Lord Jesus, would be lots of obedient people and that we would just rest in what you have for our lives and that we would operate out of what you say about us and what you have for our lives. We love you and we thank you in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us on this week of the Table Podcast, where we talk about lessons that God's teaching us. You can also find us on Facebook at BattleCreekChurch.com. We've got lots of things coming up in the spring, fall, excuse me. We have lots of things coming up in the fall. Uh, In September, we're launching a women's Bible study. In October, we have a massive women's event. So we'd love for you to come be a part of it. Yay. Love it.